which insecurities? The insecurities of being enough, the insecurities of my self-image and my self-worth, my insecurities of being a good agent, being a good mom. Like, which insecurities are you talking about? He says, all of them. Do you know where they come from? Ladies, grab your coffee, stilettos, and hop on the Hot Mess Express. Awesome. So welcome to the Hot Mess Express. I am Cassie Kennell, the creator and founder of this crazy world that I live in, right? Um, People have questioned me the last few weeks about what is the Hot Mess Express? What, you know, why are we here? What are we doing? So um, essentially the podcast dives deeper into my life, my traumas, the the real, the raw, the ugly, the happy, everything essentially of what I've gone through up to today, yesterday, and tomorrow, and so on. So it is my reality to the world. I've been in therapy for years, um, and I really, truly, honestly think that therapy is something that everybody needs, right? Um, it, it's not I can talk to my friends, I can, you know, tell them what I'm going through, but they have a, a vested interest in in me. So a lot of times friends side with you, right? They don't go outside of the box, like they shouldn't kind of give you the outside perspective. So I've always thought that therapy and counseling is huge. It's it's a massive part of being able to be better than you were, were yesterday, which is my motto, right? Be better than you were yesterday. So when I was talking to her, she said, what is the best way for you to get everything out and and help you heal? Healing is a never-ending process. It is, I'm going to be healing for the rest of my life, right? So I took the plunge and I said, I got to talk about this. I have to talk about everything that I've been through because the people that I've actually met throughout my journey have had similar situations, similar impacts, similar traumas, and they're still stuck in it or they don't know how to get out of it. And so I thought that this was the best platform to do it. I mean, we're in the 23rd century, 21st, 22nd. I don't even know what century you're in, but everybody's listening to podcasts. Everybody's, nobody's got time for anything anymore. We're all on the road. We're all traveling. We're in a car. I'm in my car 80% of my day. And I try and listen to upbeat music to keep my spirits high or to keep me out of my own funk. And sometimes it just doesn't work. And so I end up going to motivational speakers that I've listened to throughout, you know, throughout my career just to keep me pumped up for whatever the day brings. And so that's what I'm hoping to accomplish for you guys is just to give you kind of what's going on, how I got through things, how, how I've achieved a dream so crazy that I didn't think was possible, right? So that is kind of what the Hot Mess Express is going to be. Um, I'll give you guys a quick quick background on um, how how much of a hot mess I really am, right? So I've got four kids, uh, 16, almost 16, 14, almost 12, and then one and a half. 
Uh, the one and a half year old keeps me on my toes. She is probably the mo the craziest child, the wildest child that I have. So um, you guys will see her throughout probably a lot of these podcasts because she, um, I can't, I can't tailor everything around her schedule. Um, and she's, you know, she's my little helper. She's my little being. So why is the hot mess express important to me? I will tell you right now, not one day goes by that my trauma is not triggered. There's not one day that goes by that my trauma is not part of my everyday living and my everyday life. That goes for every survivor of all of the things that I've been through. Domestic violence, sexual assault, kidnapping, being drugged. There's certain things, certain smells. It's still hard to talk about. You know, getting up in front of people, doing this. I mean, I wish I should wear a heart monitor one of these days so you guys can feel uh, just how how quickly when we start talking about things, there's there's times that I'm calm and then there's times where my heart's beating so fast that I feel like, again, my heart's doing flip-flops, right? Because every time that you talk about the trauma, you relive it. And that is one of the hardest things that people don't understand is that every time I have to relive it, it's fresh in my mind, right? Every time I have to, re- every time somebody else has to relive a trauma, it's fresh in their mind. How the hell do you relive your trauma, get up, and then proceed to, to go about your day? I've, I've had to figure out how to compartmentalize a lot of those things. So hopefully I can help you guys learn how to, you know, talk about it and figure out how to get back up and continue about your day. Um, and I know it's on everybody's mind uh, how hard it is, what you guys do. So I'll, I'll tell you right now, a lot of people just push it aside and they put it in the, the compartment in the back of their mind and they say, I'm just not going to deal with it. I'm going to stay silent. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to relive it. I don't want to be in it. It never happened. And when that happens, that trauma is something that you have never been able to cope with. That's, that's a trauma that you've never been able to attack and say, how am I going to get past this, right? That's a first responder issue as well. And so, and again, being a first responder myself, being a spouse of a first responder, it's the same thing. Now I have to relive it through my spouse, right? When they come home and they're like, oh, you know, and, and they're in a crappy mood. Now I'm, I'm living their trauma and my own. That's essentially, you know, in a nutshell, um, why it, it's so important to me to be able to help other people break free of that stigma of I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to stay silent. I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with it because if I don't deal with it, then I don't have to worry about it. I can, I can live life normally. I'll go back to my very first trauma. My very first trauma. Um, I don't trust people now. And, and this is part of it because when I was 17, I was 
at a party with my friends and these are friends. I mean, you know, when you're 17, you're in high school. Hey, cool. Everybody's, everybody's, you know, at a big party. I come from a small town. I was drugged and raped um, as a game. So essentially two guys decided that they were going to bet which one could drug me quicker and essentially which one was going to win. And the loser had to tattoo the other one's face um, on their butt. And I didn't know this until afterwards. Okay, so that that for me. So I'm at this party having fun with my friends, quote unquote friends. And I remember waking up on a floor with a red blanket on in so much pain and going, what in the hell just happened? And my head hurts. My body hurts. I'm cold. And I walk out of the room. And I like look around and there's people sitting there watching the stupidest movie I think I've ever seen in my entire life. And the one turns around and he goes, yeah, I win. And I said, you win. And I'm like, man, my head's throbbing. Like, what happened? And I'm like, where even am I? Not even where I started partying, right? And they thought it was funny. And he looked at me and he's like, oh, man, we bet on you. And I won. And just as that happened, the other guy walked out of the bedroom, who I didn't even, like, comprehend was there. And I'm like, what? And he's like, man, you won. You got her before I did. And I just remember thinking to myself, no way. Like I trusted you people, right? And I looked at him and I said, what'd you do before he did? And he's like, well, I own your cherry. And I was like, no. Like, he was so proud of himself. And I was just, I just turned around and I went back into the bedroom looking for my clothes and I'm, I was out of it. And I said, I have, to, I have to go home. So I got dressed, went out in the kitchen and I was like, where are my keys? And everything was sitting like on a table keys my purse the whole nine yards and I just grabbed it and I remember hearing him and he goes seriously you're gonna run out of here like a little bitch and, and I just kept walking and I'm like I remember driving around for hours after that thinking what am I gonna do I can't go home and tell my mom. I can't talk to my dad. So from there, it was a horrible uh, next week. And then I remember it was October. I was in my bedroom and my mom came in 
And she said, what's going on with you? And I just burst in tears. And I was like, mom, I, I don't know what to do. Like this happened. And she just started crying. And she's like, why didn't you tell me? And I looked at her and I said, because we don't have that kind of relationship. What, what daughter wants to tell their mom that? And so that was kind of a, a pivotal moment for me of the relationships in my life. Where are we at with them? As my mom, my dad, my brothers, my best friend. Fast forward a little bit to the military. Now, mind you, I did not cope with it. I didn't try and fix it. I didn't try and get help for it. I compartmentalized it like it never happened. And to be honest with you, there's, there's multiple levels that people with sexual trauma deal with. One, you just lose yourself, right? And you go out and you do anything with anyone, doesn't matter. Or you hermitize yourself, right? For me, it was the kind of the roller coaster of how I felt that weekend. Do I go out and hermitize or do I go out and, and sleep around or do I hermitize myself? It was difficult to be able to figure out for me which one was the best one. I ended up going out, drinking a lot more. Um, I'm still great in school, still, you know, but... I cut a lot of my friends out. I stopped talking to a lot of them, quit, you know, I quit partying with a lot of them, found different crowds, not the best crowds, right? But I was angry. I was so angry. I was angry at myself more than anybody. Fast forward, I joined the military to get out. So I get out, um, head to you know, I'm in, I passed basic training in tech school. I was going out with a bunch of friends and we decided we were going to go to, we were in San Antonio and we were going to go to a local club. Uh, we were not old enough to drink. I was 19 going on 20. Um, so we was just dancing and, you know, doing the thing and we took a taxi there so there was taxis that were vetted on base and so we called the taxi and the taxi took us there and he handed us his card each one of us and said if you guys need anything or if you guys want to be just give me a call I'll be here for you guys cool appreciate it right and I remember and all of them uh, were older than me um, and so they were drinking, they were drinking age. And so they were sticking around drinking. <clears throat> and I said, I'm going to go back. Um, I'm good. I've got CQ duty the next day. And so I called our, our taxi and I was like, Hey, can you come pick me up and take me back to base? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. Cool. Stupidest move of my life is what goes through my head. Like how, how dumb can one person be? But that is, that's not my feeling, right? That is 
kind of how society has made made me feel over the years prior to me dealing with it. So I hop in, he hands me a water. It's Texas. It's hot, right? Yeah, heck yeah, I'll take a water. We just got done dancing, whatever. So I take his water. The next thing I know, I wake up on his couch, butt naked. And I look down and I'm like, what? I don't even know where I'm at. I have no idea, no clue. And I picked up my phone and there was a bunch of text messages and missed calls and and I immediately, knowing from the past, I was like, nope, I'm not doing this again. I am not doing this again. Like, how? And I remember asking, like, I remember looking up and being like, God, what are you trying to teach me? Like, seriously? So I immediately called CQ and I said, I don't know where I'm at. I was, I'm, I'm in a I, I just like I had gotten dressed, I remember walking out of his house and I was like, here's my cross streets. Like, I need somebody to come get me. And they're like, and you could tell on the phone they were they were, Oh, my gosh, you know, what do you and I was like, No, listen, I don't know where I'm at. I took a taxi. And here's where I ended up. I didn't drink last night. There's no alcohol in my system. I'm freaking out. And so they they ended up coming and pick me up, it took me back to base. And Right then and there, I had to give a statement, relive the whole thing, do uh, a rape kit, and then I never heard anything after that. It was like, pick up the rug, sweep it under, nothing happened. And so we ended up having a, uh, it was like a, a, a get together, right? Like, so all of the squadrons had to get together, right? And there was um, an information essentially put out saying, listen, we have stopped all taxis allowed on base because there's been some illegal activity. And so now they're being looked into. And that was all we got. No, like no other questions. I handed them the card of the, the person that was it. I don't know where, where charges pressed. I have no idea. No clue. So at this point, now I've like, I've got to get testing done, make sure I don't have AIDS, HIV, whatever, right? At 19, can you imagine this going through your head of like, I got out to to get away from it and to protect myself. And I like threw myself right back into it. So for me, like those those two situations had altered my life and have essentially they put me into a horrible vicious cycle of who I dated the self-sabotage the um my relationships essentially with everybody and everything around me. And it is, it was never dealt with. And I didn't know until 
seven years ago, six years ago, when I realized it and noticed it in my marriage. And I went, oh my gosh. I'm allowing so much of this to happen. I had a really good friend the other day ask me, so I told him, I said, I had to, I had to go to Orlando and I had to speak in front of these people. My anxiety was high. And, you know, I, I was telling him about all this and he goes, why was your anxiety high? I said, because I, I don't like, I don't like speaking in front of people. Right. I don't. And he says, he asked me, he says, what, where do you think those insecurities come from? And I said, okay, let, let's talk about insecurities for a hot minute, right? Which insecurities? The insecurities of being enough, the insecurities of my self-image and my self-worth, my insecurities of being a good agent, being a good mom, like which insecurities are you talking about? He says, all of them. Do you know where they come from? I said, through all of my counseling, through all of my therapy sessions, all the talks that I've had, it all goes back to two things, two people. Well, a couple more than two people, but now I love my parents. And I will not say that my parents caused a lot of this. However, my parents, my parents always pushed me to be kind of better, right? And I said, and I, I would always push back. Like, I'm tired of being, I'm, I'm tired of being good. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be bad. Like, I'm tired of being held on a pedestal and, and not able to go out like my brothers do. You know, my brothers had every like, oh, you want to go do this? Yeah, just make sure you're home by a certain time. Oh, you want to go? No. Why? Oh, because they're boys. Okay. And? Right? So when I got back from Brazil and I was 300 pounds, right? I was, I was double, double me, double the fun. I, my dad looked at me and he goes, oh, you brought back two of you. Uh, sure. I haven't seen you for a year and that's the first thing that you say. Now, in any 18-year-old's mind that's already aware of how thicky thick she got, right, and how much food she's eaten, that's the last thing I wanted to hear from my dad. M the first thing I wanted to hear was, oh my gosh, I missed you, right? So I go home. I haven't seen my brothers. My mom did see me. She came over to Brazil. So she saw me. So she kind of knew like, mm, sister, you may want to lay off the bread and the, you know, feijon and the rice and beans and whatever. I don't want to. It's good. Like, it's really good. So, but she also, my mom was also on the heavier side, you know, growing up too. So, and she's always struggled with her weight. 
So I get home and my brothers have water balloons. And I remember like they were up on the roof and they were throwing them at me and stuff. And I remember my brother going, dang, that target got big. Shut up, bro. Like, really? So I go up the stairs. I'm happy. Like my brothers give me hugs and, and, and whatever. They're happy. My grandma comes up. My grandma walks in. And I was like, hey, grandma. And she goes, I'll be right back. Like nothing was said. And then all of a sudden she comes back and she's got a magazine. Now, mind you, grandma, grandma was like the holistic woman of the century. She could tell you how to fix anything with a magazine and some herbs. Okay. So she hands me this magazine and I don't remember what they're called. I don't even pay attention to them now, but it was a diet plan that she had read the other day in one of her magazines. And she's like, here, you should really read this. And I remember looking at her and going, it's nice to see you too, grandma. So following days, following months, I got the, are you sure you want that? Are you sure you want a second helping? Now in their mind, they're thinking that they're helping, but they're not. They are so not because from that day moving forward, even to now, am I anorexic? No. Do I, do I suffer from any of those eating disorders? No. I have my own eating disorder, right? It is called self-shaming. Do I want that piece of cake? Heck yeah. Who doesn't want chocolate cake? Right? But I look at that and I go, mm -mm. what would my dad tell me? Do you really need that? So for years that went through my, through my mind. So my insecurities pop up from not just that, but even in school. Kids suck in school. I tell my kids that all the time. Kids are mean. And so in school, it was, you know, the cute boys never wanted to date the fat chicks. The the cute boys, I was always friends with the jocks, so it really didn't bother me. And I didn't want to date any of them anyway, because that's what they were, right? They were just friends. But I allowed all of, so those things, I allowed those things to torment me for years. And I allowed men in my life who did the same thing. They tormented me, emotionally broke me down and made me feel good after. So I clung to that. So when my friend asked me, you know, where do those insecurities come from? It's where it comes from. So in a couple episodes later, you guys are going to see me in Orlando and having to, to get up and sit in front of, you know, 900 people. And, you know, as, as we're editing and looking through things, my buddy goes, man, there was a lot of negativity in that. I said, yeah, there is a lot of negativity in that. There is a lot of self-shaming. What, what, you know, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to, to get out that it 
I suffered from years of you're not good enough, years of you are fat and ugly, years of you can't do that. And so in my mind, in the last 20 years, I have had to sit here before I did anything and I've had to find my, the, the part that goes, I can do this. I am not that person anymore. I am not going to allow those mishaps, those negative things to dictate who I am, where I am, how I got here. I'm going to push forward. So it's hard to sit there and say part of the reason that I am the way I am is because of my parents. Because they did teach me a lot of good. But I will say, and, and my parents and I have had conversations about, you know, things that we've done. We're not perfect. My parents aren't perfect. I'm not perfect. Crap, I'm not a perfect parent at all, Right? So we've had conversations about it, but I've never been able to tell them, listen, you guys shaming me the way that you did caused me to have a lifetime of self-shaming. And what is the one thing right now that society struggles with that so many girls struggle with right now? Self-sabotage, self-sabotage, self-shaming, I'm not skinny enough. My, you know, my figure isn't right. I posted something here not too long ago that says it took me 36 years to finally look in the mirror and say, God, I'm beautiful. You made me perfect in every way, shape, and form. And I have to accept that. I've had four beautiful children. I've got stretch marks. I own them. You have to own them. It's a part of life. It's a beautiful part of life. But there, don't let me get you wrong. There are days where I go, I'm not wearing that shirt. Well, look, I, I got a muffin and I didn't even have to bake today, right? So, and I have to teach my daughters that you got to be comfortable in your own skin. I mean, my daughter wears some crazy she's an artist let me back up she's an artist so her makeup is spot on for her personality would I wear it no but I tell her to rock it the black lipstick for me kind of you know hmm. but she's got to write her own book she's got to write her own story so it's, it's been, it's been a long, uh, 20 years and this year it, this year it hit 21 years since all of this has happened and still after 21 years, it doesn't get any easier at all. It sometimes gets harder because now I have two daughters that I have to worry about. And I, I, I tell them and my, my boys the same thing. 
I don't care how much it hurts, how difficult it is, come talk to me. Because I guarantee you, I've been through it. And in some way, I've been through it. The other aspect that it, it really made me suffer in my relationships, picking the wrong men. I'm hor- like, I am the first person to tell you, I will see the positive in every person. I could look at so many people and go, you got all this wrong, but I'm going to find the good in you. But I don't do it to myself. Why? Why can I not do that to myself? So now I have to remind myself to look in the mirror every day and say, girl, you got this. You're hummus. It's all right. Go own today. Put, put some sexy shoes on and go own it today. Right? But it it caused issues in my relationship to where I would pick the men that were phenomenal manipulators. Because what are they good at? Talking a good game. Talk a good game, get you where they want you, and then flip that script. I've been locked in closets, thrown downstairs pregnant by my husband at the time. I have been beat up in my sleep. I have been, I have a, a bump, a permanent bump on the back of my head from a, a Yankee candle. Yankee candles are not allowed in any house that I have ever owned from that day forward. No offense, Yankee candle. Yes, you smell great. But it's because of that where I see Yankee and that's what it does. I'm just like, man. You know, it kind of, it kind of tingles every now and then just, just a little bit, but I I had to move forward past that. I I had to, to get up and go, I can't do this. And I had to reach out for help. I don't do that. I don't ask for help. I go to work and Brie goes, what in the Sam hell is wrong with you? You are pregnant and you look like death warmed over. And I just broke down. Then you get to the point where you marry a first responder. Fast forward. And mind you, in in the midst of that relationship, let me tell you how many friends I lost. Quote unquote friends. Because I would call being locked in a closet and they would go, I can't, I, I can't listen to this anymore. If you're not going to do anything for yourself, I can't help you. That was my plea for help. And I got silence. So it goes back to the whole trust thing of who can you trust? I have a horrible trust issue. Horrible trust issue. So 
you fast forward to to being and I know I'm kind of skipping around here, but y'all you'll figure it out eventually. But you fast forward to marrying a first responder and you think that you got your crap together enough to be married to a first responder, but little do you know that that first responder, now I'm not saying that all of them are alike because I would be the first one to tell you that they're not. Everybody is their own individual. And you think being married to a first responder, you're safe. This one in particular was probably the worst of them all. And if, if I could go back in time and find my gumption earlier in that relationship, I would have. But the night that I found my gumption was the night that I was pinned down and a ring was shoved down my neck or down my throat. And then it got thrown back on me as he walked out to the street and stood there while all of our kids were watching and said, I'm going to, I'm going to wait, I'm going to get hit by a car. And at that point, as I look at all of my kids lined up on the couch, looking out the window, like, what is he doing? I said, something's got to change. I have to change. I've got to change for the better because I can't keep making the same mistakes. That's when I started counseling. I went out to the, I went outside. It was cold as balls outside. He's standing out there. And I said, do me a favor. If you're going to stand here and want to get hit, move down a hundred yards so the kids can't watch. And I turned around and went back inside. And the next day I was moving to crap out. Now, mind you, I fell back into the same old habits because what's easy? The known, right? So getting counseling, I started to find my voice. I started to find my backbone. So first and foremost, find your backbone. Whether that means that you start counseling or you just start by talking to a friend. Start figuring out how to find your backbone. What, what does that look like to you? Sit down and, and think to yourself, the things that I've been through, how has that affected my future? How has that affected every relationship in my life? How have I allowed it to affect who I let in, how I let them treat me, what I do to myself? And when I sat down with my counselor, those were the things that she asked me. And I, I remember looking at her going, I don't know. She goes, you don't know because you don't want to know. You don't know because you don't want to know. The quick answer for me was, you're wrong, I'm right. Of course I want to know. If I didn't want to know, I wouldn't be here. 
okay, well, then answer my question. I encourage everybody, sit down and, and, and take a minute to think to yourself. If you, if you fall in any one of those situations where you feel totally vulnerable to certain things in life, what caused it? Who caused it? How can we move forward from it? So starting counseling, that is where my healing began. And that is where I was able to sit down and find my inner, the real Cassie. Now the real Cassie has changed over the years. The real Cassie is continuing to change every day because I learn from things that happened yesterday. I learn from things that happened 10 years ago that I have, because a trauma response is sometimes you, you compartmentalize and you forget. And then you're out doing something and all of a sudden you're like, you don't feel good. You're, you're in a panic mode and you're, you're going, oh my gosh, I remember this. That just triggered it. How am I going to get out of this? Stop, breathe, write it down. Take it to your counselor the next day, right? Or write it down and go, this is how it made me feel. Here's what I remember. You got to start somewhere. So again, I encourage you guys, start somewhere. Because I know there are a ton of listeners out there that feel the exact same way that I do, have been through the things that I have been through or similar, and are stuck. You're stuck. Don't be stuck anymore. You don't have to be stuck. You don't have to feel like there's nothing left of you. You don't have to feel like you don't have a voice anymore. So on the next episode, we will get into kind of deep diving into those counselors, those sessions, and really start how I started turning turning my life around after all of those bad decisions. And as you know, there's some that um, I've left out or, you know, will follow through and kind of explain how certain aspects of those, those traumas and those days of my lives that befolded into where I'm at today, my kids, how it affects my kids and how it affects the people that I'm around every day. I appreciate you guys listening. For more information, more reels, more crazy stories into my crazy hot mess of a life, hop on my Instagram. It's the Hot Mess Express, H-O-T-T, the Hot Mess Express. 
Thanks for listening, guys. I'll see you next time.